It's time for WAKR's This Week in Tech with Gene Destro. This Week in Tech is brought to you by Cartridge World in North Canton, your home for copiers, printers, and supplies. Well, it's been an eventful week and not in a particularly good way when it comes to cybersecurity. It all started out with a jarring, but I suppose not completely unexpected report of somebody using AI to clone President Joe Biden's voice and then to use it in a voter suppression robocall ahead of the New Hampshire primary. CBS News correspondent Ed O'Keefe has more. It was an AI-generated call of the president's voice falsely wow. telling Democrats, don't show up today, your vote doesn't count, just worry about November. Right. It's fake. It was AI-generated. It is an example of what elections officials across the country fear. We're going to see so much more of across the country in presidential, local elections. If you're a voter, the best place to get your information, remember, is the local board of elections, the secretary of state's website. Not an AI-generated call. The New Hampshire Attorney General's investigating. It was also a perfect example of exactly why the FTC recently launched a voice cloning challenge to try and crowdsource new technology that can combat increasingly sophisticated voice cloning scams. FTC Chair Lena Khan. Over the last year in our consumer complaint database, we got around 165 reports of some of these frauds and scams being perpetuated through voice cloning. And that's included voice cloning enabled fake kidnapping or deep fakes of celebrities peddling fake promotions. And we know that this is just the tip of the iceberg and the problem could get much, much worse with people having little ability to tell which voices are authentic and which are AI generated. Also this week, CNBC had a story about top executives at Microsoft whose email got hacked by an organization thought to be part of the Russian intelligence service SVR, known by various names including Nobelium, Midnight Blizzard, and Cozy Bear. Because these types of state-sponsored hacks are a major national security threat, the Department of Defense is offering scholarships for students studying cybersecurity. Stark State College professor Glenn Goh. And it's really kind of exciting. They're throwing a lot of money at it, looking at the need for cybersecurity and cyber defense and ethical hacking as a, another portion of it, practitioners uh, to work for the government and for the Department of Defense specifically. If you think about it, it's the type of thing where you don't have to build a ship, build a missile, build a plane. Uh, if somebody has a computer and access to the internet, you can be anywhere in the world and launch some type of attack against some business, governmental institution, or what have you. So it really, you know, all those geographic boundaries that, you know, we used to think of for the United States of, well, we're on, you know, we've got oceans on either side of us, and we've got friendly neighbors north and south of us. We don't have to worry about those things. All those kind of went away, and, you know, it kind of leveled that you know, that battlefield. Meanwhile, at Kent State University, they're launching a new degree in cyber criminology. I talked to Hedy Nasheri, who's a professor of criminology and global security, as well as Shelley Marshall, who's lead faculty for the IT program out of their College of Applied and Technical Studies. I think that traditionally cyber-related programs have always been concentrated in IT and computer science. And recently, with corporate and government move toward modernization to digital transformation, there is a need not to have programs concentrated in IT, 
with computer folks, but kind of widespread. And what is so unique about this program that it takes the technical components of IT and computer science, and it combines it with social science theories and background and knowledge. So in other words, if a compliance department wants to understand what is the cause of a certain breach, what should they be looking forward as far as prevention methods, there is a need for understanding the social aspects of that, the behavior aspects of that. And that's where the criminology side on the forensic side comes in with respect to investigation of any type of a breach or intrusion. There is that component to understand who is the malicious actor? Where is this coming from? How is this being implemented on the company network? And corporations, obviously, these days, and they're the guidelines and rules, have to work closely with law enforcement on reporting aspect. In fact, it's mandatory now. And uh, so if there are particular incidents, five years ago, a corporate entity may decide to kind of keep it quiet, you know, not face the consequences of shareholders being upset or clients or customers. But now the approach of the government and the country is that we need to really have a reporting structure in place that any incident or breach or any violation of a network has to be reported. So working with the law enforcement side, that's again where the forensic criminal side comes in combined with the technical side. And we're unique in that respect because we have cybersecurity programs, you know, and we have IT security programs. But this is unique because you're combining social sciences with the technical side of things. I would just piggyback to say that there's a great need for professionals who can do both things. So they understand the court system, they understand criminology, they understand the impetus of crime but they also know how to address a breach and do an investigation, work with forensic tools, get to a, a forensic analysis of a crime and be able to, you know, gather volatile evidence and things like that. So, you know, it's not just IT professionals doing criminology, but it can also be criminology professionals, police, Homeland Security, FBI, CIA doing forensic work. So it's really a marriage of those two things. We start from the basics. We uh, treat our audience as they don't have background in this area. And we build upon that. And we have coursework in the program that is specifically designed to do that. And I am hoping that we would be able to provide training workshops to the general community we would be able to put on conferences and invite folks that have expertise in this area that can kind of translate what an individual in today's society needs to be aware because with the digital transformation, everyone is impacted by that, not only criminologists or justice people or court official or IT people, it's for the entire general public. I give you a very 
personal example, as of yesterday, I had just opened up a new bank account about a month ago, and it's a sort of a savings account that I'm, I don't need to go into it, withdraw money or deposit or use the debit card or anything. And I get this phone call from the bank that a Hulu subscription has been, you know, charged to your account. And I mean, I'm savvy about these sort of things, but I was really surprised because I had not you I had not even activated the debit card and I was I wanted to gain more information about you know what exactly had happened and a lot of people are in this position you know they find themselves uh, that something has been hacked something has been breached and and I think the general consensus these days should be that every entity will get hacked I mean the department of defense has been hacked NSA has been hacked FBI has been hacked and those are people that are very well trained to protect those networks and services in the retail industry you shop at certain stores and then you read about it in the newspaper that they had a huge breach your address, you know, to the extent, perhaps social security numbers, phone numbers, email addresses. So this is the society that we live in. And precisely, that is the rationale behind the program of such that the new workforce, the, the you know, people that are getting graduating, that are getting out there, will be able to find employment in all sectors. This is a national area of great importance. So there are national things being done to address this need for the cyber workforce. How are we going to protect our data better, right? So we have the National Cyber Workforce Education Strategy that's coming out of the whitehouse.gov that you can read about. We're taking a multi-layered approach to cyber education starting K-12 and working through, you know, these programs that we're creating, like the cyber criminology degree. We also have the National Initiative for Cybersecurity Education, which is calling for educators to create programs like this so that we have a better, a more agile workforce that is cyber ready for these kinds of breaches, because it is our day-to-day life that is being impacted by these breaches our medical information is being breached, our social security information is being breached, our, you know, our dental records, things that we really don't want shared out to the criminal empire. So these are the reason that we're doing these kinds of degrees. And the problem is right now we have big gap between the number of open positions and the number of qualified peoples. There are like more than 700,000 positions that are open right now in cybersecurity that need to be filled by professionals. That was Shelley Marshall, lead faculty for the Kent State University IT program, along with Hetty Nasheri, professor of criminology and global security at Kent State, and who this semester is also a visiting scholar at the Max Planck Institute in Germany. And I'm Jean Destro. Thanks for listening. Stay happy and healthy, and we'll see you again next week. This has been This Week in Tech with Jean Destro on WAKR, brought to you by Cartridge World in North Canton.